0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to talk with W. Kamau Bell, a young comedian and commentator who wears many hats. He hosts podcasts and is host of the CNN social commentary program, United Shades of America, and he's a stand-up comic. He's performing uh, Sunday here at St. Andrews in Detroit, and we had a... Really interesting conversation with him about his work and race and inequality in America. Uh, we will also also be talking about the NPR show Invisibilia, uh, the podcast, uh, sort of a concept album where every episode explores a different concept that's part of the unseen forces that make us human. We'll hear from the people behind that. But first... It is Friday, and Fridays around here are kind of opposite day now. This is when we invite somebody in to talk to us about the week's news, and we try to make that person somebody who sees the world through a little different lens than I do, somebody who sits at least a little bit on the opposite side of the political spectrum. And joining us today for the first time in that role is Daniel Howes, a columnist with the Detroit News, Daniel. Welcome to Detroit today.
1: No, oh, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I, like I said, uh, we try on Fridays to bring in somebody who might sit there and uh, across from me and tell me how full of it I am. Uh, I know that. Uh, uh, in the in the years that we have known each other you've done that many times <laughs> i have but always nicely <laughs> right uh, so this should be this should be an interesting conversation although i think with the topics we have this week there there may not be a whole lot of daylight <laughs> between us uh, i, I want to start with something you wrote uh, earlier this week about the role that tech is playing in our economy but specifically in our economy here in Detroit with regard to the auto industry you sort of put out what i thought is a really interesting point about who general motors and ford and fca uh, the detroit three automakers are really competing with these days it's not volkswagen it's not toyota or mercedes uh, the 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 foreign automakers who have given them fits for several decades now now they're really competing with tech companies. And that, in your estimation, really changes uh, the dynamic for the way they ought to be thinking about their businesses.
1: I don't think there's any question. Uh, You know, earlier this week, uh, the CEO of Apple uh, finally confirmed for the first time uh, their interests in the automotive space and in the autonomous space. And they think that this is the single space that's most ripe for disruption, which is a phrase that ought to send ch- shivers down the spines of anybody associated with the De- car- Detroit car companies. Yeah, These companies now here in Detroit are for for the first time competing with Silicon Valley for investor attention, for talent, uh, yes, they continue to go after and need new automotive engineering types. But for the first time in forever, they're also competing against Silicon Valley for coders. C- young people who would never 10 years ago or f- even five years ago thought about coming to work for an auto company. But now with autonomy and self-driving cars and, and, and the whole mob- suite of mobility services that's emerging, um, they're competing for talent. Um, and the other thing, too, is that Silicon Valley – is beloved on Wall Street, and Detroit in the auto industry is basically hated. It
0: is not, right. It's not
1: <laughs> respected, and uh, as a result, they're competing in a way that um, is going to make it increasingly difficult for them uh, going forward. I think this is the single, this is the epic business issue of our time yeah. in this state. where How how these companies play um, going forward and in the near term is going to be very critical. Also this week, General Motors CEO Mary Barra uh, announced that General Motors is the first car company in the world to mass produce uh, autonomous vehicles, yeah. and they're doing it right here in Michigan at Lake or- at the Lake Orion Assembly Plant with Chevy Bolts that are the first all-electric cars to go uh, more than 200 miles on a charge and sell for less than thirty thousand dollars with the federal subsidy. By the way. Um, <laughs> And that's uh, something
0: we would probably argue about that federal subsidy. Yeah, we well, would, that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: um, I think so. I there's some really interesting trends emerging, and I think I will say this to you also. One final point, and is I think a lot of folks are having a hard time wrapping their heads around this. Every time I write about this, I get notes from people. Um, who are really skeptical, say this is never going to happen. People are never going to buy these cars. How are they going to do this? And I think they're kidding themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, you never would have thought or believed there would be this device that you could watch movies on and scour the web and send emails and text to your daughter who's overseas and do all this other kind of stuff, and we can do it. And put it in your pocket. And the technology... Once technology makes is makes something possible, it's pretty much People impossible. Like it. It's and it's impossible to stop it. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean this is all gonna happen at once, and that doesn't mean that everybody's gonna give up their pickup truck, because I don't think that's gonna happen. But I do think that in in congested areas and in urban areas, you know, my, our daughter lives in Washington, DC. Uh, she does not own a car. She had a car there when she first moved there. It sat in a garage. The brakes rusted up. <laughs> I got irritated with her. I you finally were said, i
0: paying $500 I, a month. Or I something. said,
1: bring it home and we're going to sell it. Um, she uses Uber. She uses taxis. She uses the metro. She takes the metro to, to the airport. Baba yeah. da bing. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to have a car. There's
0: no reason Washington. to have a car. Yeah. So, so I, I wonder though, uh, I feel like the Detroit 3. Are doing the right things with regard to to this this tech mm-hmm. this tech development, I guess I'll call it, where where we're seeing a merger of you know this this tech industry and and mm-hmm. the auto industry. I mean, Ford in particular seems seems really focused on the right things in terms of uh, the idea of making themselves into a mobility company instead of just an auto company and thinking differently about what that means in terms of what they make and what they invest in. Uh, at, at the same time, you seem to be saying that maybe it's not about what they do or how hard they work at it, but the competition that they face. In other words, there's not a real fair uh, way to, to sort of measure GM against Apple, for instance, or exactly.
1: Google. Exactly, but a couple of points. One is these companies are going into a, a, into a world they don't know. Okay. Right. They're coming from a world that they've known for a hundred years and sometimes they've done it well. And for a lot of years, as you well know, and a lot of your listeners know, they didn't do it so well. Yeah. Now I think they know what they're, now I think they know what they've needed to do to be successful and to be profitable. The story of Alan Mulally at Ford is a great example of that. The things that Mary Barr is, has been doing the last couple of years in terms of reshaping the industrial automotive footprint. Yeah. is also a good example of that. They know how to do this, but now they're going into a space where it's, it's moving at a much faster rate than they're used to moving. And these, by the way, these companies are moving faster than they historically have, but they're up against people that move a hell of a lot faster than they do. That's point one. Point two, I would suggest to you that you need to disaggregate these three companies. They are not all at the same place. Uh, I think when you uh, Fiat Chrysler is a far distant third, sure. and and for for now CEO Sergio Marchionne's big play is to be partnering with Waymo, which is owned by the Google parent Google. Alphabet, yeah. uh, in developing this technology and using Pacifica minivans as essentially the platform. Uh, so let's put them aside for a second. I think they're clearly a distant third. Uh, Ford and GM. You mentioned Ford. I would dispute your characterization, and here's why. The CEO who got fired a couple of weeks
0: ago, right? Well, that's true. and
1: and I think in in my reporting about what happened is the as the board of directors started they started to meet a little more regularly and in offsite meetings and, and digging deeper with um, with Mark Fields and his uh, management team, and I think started to come to the conclusion that he did not have the strategies that he thought they did that he was moving too slowly, and meanwhile over at General Motors you had Mary Barra moving very quickly on reshaping the industrial footprint and uh, getting this Chevy Bolt in, into production um, um, and, getting the atten- and making some interesting and bold moves in the tech space. And I think the feeling was is that General Motors is moving faster than Ford is, and if we don't get moving, we are going to fritter away um, our position at the top of the business cycle yeah. where we're generating a lot of cash right now and so when you do that, when you're generating cash, now's the time to be making the right moves because this this space is going to move and change and evolve a lot yeah. uh, every couple of months. Yeah.
0: Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Daniel Howes, a columnist at the Detroit News. He's here for our weekly Friday news uh, wrap-up. We are, at least this year, have been inviting in folks who see the world through a little different lens than I do. People across the political spectrum from me. We have been talking about uh, the tech threat to the Detroit 3 automakers, the challenge they face trying to move into a world of tech that is dominated by companies that are much bigger and more profitable, much wealthier. Uh, we're also going to talk about the ongoing investigation into President Donald Trump and the news this week from the Flint water crisis. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 313- 577 five seven seven one oh one nine you can also go to the wdeT Facebook page and put your comments there. go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today uh, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation uh, in particular if you are if you are somebody who's thinking a lot about how tech is shaping the auto industry, how is it changing the auto industry if you work in the auto industry and are seeing the ways that uh, the tech, uh, developments that we're seeing are affecting your work or or your workplace. Uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, about that and whether you think uh, these Detroit companies can compete with Apple or Google. Uh, what if uh, what if they have to compete with uh, an alliance between one of these tech companies and an automaker like Tesla or a foreign automaker? How would they measure up again? Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, before we move on, I want to I want to get you to expand just a little bit on this autonomous vehicle thing you said about GM. I don't I don't I don't know that I've heard a lot about that. Uh, I, I know that they are building the boat, the Bolt at uh, Lake Orion. You're saying that this is also an autonomous. Uh, yeah, the
1: the, you, the bolt is for sale right. uh, to customers uh, in Chevrolet dealerships, uh, but that obviously is a, a bolt that has a steering wheel and 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 it's just an and, electric and car. It's right? an electric car, right? So so this car is is the autonomous version is a vehicle, as I understand it, that is is basically being used for testing in various parts of the country, out west, and here in Metro Detroit, um, and where they will continue to test. I mean, what's really another thing that's kind of amazing about this is when you start to think about the numbers and that's another part about what I wrote about earlier this week the numbers in terms of how big the potential market is globally for this I mean some estimates put it at ten trillion dollars annually which isn't it just is a mind-boggling number the other is the amount of data that that the real holy grail here for all of these companies is data yeah and how they can collect it General Motors is an example uh, since 2014 is able to capture, so the vehicles built from 2014 to the present, they can capture 6.5 billion points of data off of a single vehicle every day. Wow! Wow! Okay, uh, and and that can monitor all sorts of different kind of systems. Sure. Can say where this is where we have problems in this architecture. This is how we fix it in the next model year, or we we send out a flash update to the customers and say we need to update this. You need to get into your dealership or whatever the case may be. But all, so much of this is this, these enormous amounts of data that is, co- is collected. Uh, Intel just recently bought a company called Mobileye out of Israel that I visited back in uh, the no, November of 2015. Uh, it does the, 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 the visioning systems that are used in autonomous vehicles. They spent $15 billion on this comparatively small Israeli uh, company. And the CEO wrote to the, wrote to the troops, and in the note he said, this is all about data. That's what this is all about yeah. because they, they can move on data. They can commercialize data. They can monetize data. They can, I mean, that's what a lot of what's happening is all about. Yeah.
0: Uh, Louis uh, called and said uh, he could not hang on the line, but he thinks insurance companies won't want to cover autonomous cars. That's an interesting wrinkle, uh, how the insurance industry deals with uh, the idea of cars that don't have drivers. Um, well, well, we but, haven't gotten there yet.
1: But think about this. Think about the fact that you live in a city, or your mother lives in a city, and she doesn't own a car, and she has an app on her phone that you teach her how to use if you need to. Right. And, and she orders a car to take her to the market or take her to the doctor, and a car shows up, and it takes her 3.2 miles to the, to the doctor. And guess what? She doesn't have to. There's no insurance because she doesn't own the vehicle. You know who owns the vehicle? Is some provider like an Uber like or a Lyft. Uber, sure. They're the people who are going to be the customer. So this can potentially change the entire ownership model. That of, whole relationship. Of tra- yeah. yeah. Between a dealer, between an insurance company, between the person that services the car. You're not going to have to pay for any of that in theory. You're going to have an app on your phone. You're going to pay a monthly fee, just like you do to the cable company or to your mobile provider. Yeah. And you're going to get transportation within a
0: X mile radius of your home. And that'll be that. Yeah. No, That. I mean, I, it, it is going to change everything about the way we think about uh, transportation. I am somebody who is actually pretty excited about that because even though I like in theory to drive, I don't like to drive long distances. I don't like the hassle of, uh, you know, traffic and, and stuff during the day. Uh, but, uh, but I, even I acknowledge that the adjustment for all of us is going to be pretty, a pretty big deal. Let's go to Wayne in Macomb. Wayne, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you.
2: Yep. Um, so I wanted to make a comment uh-huh. about uh, an alternative to the autonomous kind of wave that's coming in. Uh-huh. Um, it'd be kind of cool to see a lot more growth in aerospace. There's a lot of stuff of that, a lot of that going on over on the West Coast. Um, you'll notice Uber just had a summit. It's called Elevation. And it was about flying cars. And they're expecting to have some prototypes for 2020 that they're going to be testing out. Yeah. Roughly in the same price range as an expensive Uber. Um, there's a lot of growth in that area. A lot of cool things going. on. I don't think Michigan's really up to that speed.
0: Huh. Yeah, uh, uh, Wayne. Th- thanks very much for the call and and the question. What about aerospace? I mean, is that some place that the uh, Detroit Three could pivot to that Apple and Google maybe are not going to compete in? Well, uh,
1: who who the heck knows? But I, I think at this stage of the game, we certainly don't know that there's any anybody that's cons- thinking about that in the automotive space. They're, they're trying to get their arms around all of this technology. And the one thing we haven't talked about that is going to be critical in this and could be a real barrier to entry is going to be the federal government.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, you know, governments are – the, the, and then by the way, the Michigan – the state of Michigan has moved faster and done more than any state in the country in terms of legislation to um, enable auto- a testing of autonomous vehicles on public roads. Um, and, and I think they recognize that. and also the state of Michigan has more autonomous test beds than any state in the United States, has more than the country of Germany and has about the same amount as the entire country of Japan. So Michigan is clearly has has an advantage, and I think one of the things that I've been hitting lately is they better take advantage of the situation that they're in right now and and get ser- much more serious about education reform and a lot of other things. That I think to sustain that do, right? exactly, yeah. and and that can can
0: bolster the case for why we need to to be part of that. Yeah, uh, let's go to Tim. Tim and Troy, welcome to Detroit today.
2: So, um, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I kind of disagree on counting FCA out, and the um, I I know they're a distant third right now, and everybody's mind, you know, FCA is just kind of this. Um, Tail trying to wag the dog. Um, But with that said, though, you can't count them out because if you have an alliance with Google and you create a strategic partnership there, you've essentially given Google the means of production that they didn't have. So Google's kind of coming in, taking over the third-party player. And if you have that, you have FCA who's figured out the means of production pretty well. Um, so they've got the physical means of production in play. And then you put in place with that an alliance with Google, and Google has the technology side of things, and they have the mapping, and they've done all of that massive groundwork that's needed to be laid um, for the actual mapping that needs to be done as far as streets and google maps and and all of those different components. And then you lay on top of that, you know, obviously the the sensors and all that that need to go into it. You've got a pretty solid alliance there, so yeah. people better, I would say, watch out for that right there because that right there could create a disruption yeah. that you know you might not have saw coming. So
0: Tim, that's just my Tim. Uh, Tim, I think that's a that's a that's a really important point. I think I think the question is whether what you're talking about, the sort of uh, potential advantage of this Google partnership, can overcome the sort of historical issues that FCA has, and, and, and by historical, I mean, maybe back to, well, certainly back like to forever. when I was a kid. Uh, uh, but but those those continue today. I mean, this is not a company that that uh, that has a, a sure future for itself, even, uh, let alone what somebody on oh, the outside might have well, said. Well,
1: I think, Tim, he, he articulates uh, the business case, uh, the FCA Google business case, about as well as Sergio Marchionne could, with one exception. Sergio's trying to sell the company.
0: Right. He wants to get rid of uh, it. And,
1: and, you know, I I have long viewed this Google deal that he has as his kind of moonshot. It's, it's the long ball. Can I hit the long ball here? Um, essentially, um, providing vehicles... But you don't get a sense of that they're trying to internalize some of the technological advancement in the way that a General Motors is. Look, a General Motors particularly, and Ford, I think they they're, for them the holy grail is um, who can produce these vehicles to scale, okay? And what they can do better than anybody else in the world, with the exception maybe of a Toyota or a Honda, but... These manufacturers can produce to scale. Elon Musk cannot produce pr- produce to scale. He can't. He did 25,000 cars in the first quarter. He lost, uh, on average, $13,200 in each new yeah. unit. <laughs>
0: right, right. No, it's it's just not possible for that to happen. Um, all right, so we've got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure we, we get to something that we actually really disagree on. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the president. Uh, President Trump, well, probably not. Uh, I was going to say this, was, <laughs> <laughs> this may not be a bunch of a point of dissension either. Uh, we still are seeing all of the bad behavior out of this guy that that we've seen from the beginning, and mm-hmm. and now I feel like the 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 consequences for that are starting to to unfold in front of us. I mean, uh, I feel like he's at much as at risk for prosecution, uh, for obstruction of justice because of things he said on Twitter, Mm -hmm. as he is for what James Comey testified to last week.
1: You know, the indiscipline of this president is unlike any I have ever seen, certainly at the national level. And I think you could argue... Uh, for those of us have been around Michigan at the state level, with the exception of maybe Todd Corser, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, y- you know it, it's it 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 is he has created a lot of these problems uh, himself. He's brought them on himself. Um, it's slowed his agenda. Um, uh, you know he he also is not doing the basic things of governing. For example, he's not making nominations to various jobs. Important There's what 550 uh, some nominations are out there and jobs and he's only done less than 200, uh, and, you know, we're, what, 145, 147 days in. Um, y- you know, this is a death by a thousand cuts, and I think this gets more and more serious as as we go forward. And, frankly, I think more and more people who have been into this mixing bowl, I can't imagine working in the comm shop in the White House, um, are going to uh, not be there to support the guy. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, I ask... Uh, Every conservative this, I ask everyone who I know is a Republican this, what is this doing to the party? I mean, is this is this really a threat to uh, the agenda that that um, that congressional Republicans certainly are in a position to get enacted if they could ever sort of work with this president? I mean, is it that disruptive yet?
1: Oh, I think it's very disruptive, um, you know, and I th- and, and I think it's standing in the way of them. And the clock is ticking, you know. When you're you're in Congress, uh, you know, you get the, you've got these dates, you, these breaks that come up—summer recess and this recess—and before you know it, you're going to be in an election year, and it makes it harder and harder and harder to get anything accomplished. Yeah, you this know, really I think, is the window. When I, I, think we, I think we I think we are at a point right now where both major parties are 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 really in flux. And there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of internal dissension. I mean, as you know, the Democrats, you've got somebody that's a group of people that are trying to create, what are they, I don't know what they're calling it, Steve. I mean, the progressive, whatever, a wing and Bernie Sanders wants to go one way. I don't know who the traditional Democrats are that would be the the antidote to that. But uh, there's just a lot of dissension within the political parties. And I think, look, Republicans are at some point, the way this is going, are going to have to make a choice. And the question is, are we going to get into – and I, I, don't, I don't use this term lightly, but are we going to get into a Watergate-style thing where all of a sudden members of the president's own party stand up and say, yeah. this cannot – We can't do th- it. We can't do this. We're, you know it will, it will take us all down and will take us down as a party, as a majority. Uh, the, I, I fear that that's a question that they're going to be forced to ask themselves into. Grapple with if they're not already. I think it's pretty soon.
0: All right. uh, Daniel Howes, columnist for the Detroit News. It was great having you here. We'll have you back some other time to maybe fight a little more with me about some topics. Got to pick (laughs) the right ones then. I know. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Up next, we're going to talk to the hosts of NPR Show about the unseen forces that make us human, invisibilia. Stay with us on Detroit Today.